Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Brilliant, yet pointless. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, so I promise, because I think most of our audience hates when... That's Imagine Dragons, by the way. Fittingly. <laughs> Dave, did you put that in there, or was that just random? No, I have no control over Again, what shows something, up. Again, something's going on today with weird show synergy. Mm-hmm. Propaganda, man. Chris, you're, you, you and Nick Faldo and your Patrick right. Reed and your Imagine Dragons BS. Right. It's ridiculous. So I promise this will not be a wrestling segment, because I think most people like don't want to hear us talk wrestling, even though I love wrestling. Uh, I got We got our little five-minute fix there. It was great. What are some things, like wrestling is one thing for me that I love trying to convince other people. No, 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 you don't get it. Like, what are you, it's, it's scripted, it's fake. Okay, like, so is CSI Miami. You wish more so people is, would just enjoy it. Yeah, Mad Men is scripted. Yes. Okay, House yeah. of Cards, you know what? That's predetermined. Bad. The outcomes of that show yes. are predetermined. I love Billions. <laughs> Not all of it. Bad example. Actually, yeah. that's true. Dylan Spacey doesn't show up for the next season. <laughs> exactly. Uh, billions. Like I love the show Billions on Showtime. You know what? Yeah, they wrote that out, and you knew how it was going to end, and it's just like week-to-week suspense. So that's why I love wrestling. I think it's great. I've loved it for 30-plus years. I used to be embarrassed to say it, but who cares? There's millions of people watching WrestleMania last night. My whole timeline was filled with WrestleMania. What are some things that you guys have in your past or would like to even in your present or future convince audiences or friends or family? No, you totally give this a try. You got to try this. I, I brought you into the world of it. The argument I always get is, oh, it's just a bunch of guys driving in circles for four hours. Why would I watch the Indy well, 500? Ovals, but okay. <laughs> or almost a rectangle right. in Indy's case. Uh <laughs> I, it's same. It's the same thing as wrestling. I, I, you don't understand what's going on there. They're not just starting a car and putting their foot down. There's strategy. There's a, a million things have to happen for somebody to to win that race. And I'm not as into the rest of the IndyCar series as I used to be. Uh, I'll still watch the races, but I'm not. You know, I, I used to travel to them and go to them, and that's there's a lot of million reasons for that too. But the Indy 500 still, and you went. It's just. There's nothing like it on the planet. There's not. It's not the same as any other oval race. It's not just guys turning left for four hours. Part of it is the pageantry. They call it the greatest spectacle in racing for a reason. And that's, I've kind of same thing. I, you know, I feel like it's good enough that if I get people to go, like you're not going to go every year. But you'll probably go again. You'll come down with us again some year. Yeah, Actually, you know, one of the highlights was watching watching the band Poison play to like a fifteen thousand person, maybe not fifteen thousand, <laughs> but like a like a five thousand person. Oh no! Outdoor. See, that's the trick with the speedway. It makes everything. It was at least fifteen thousand. It, it, it just felt small because yeah. you're in the middle of this huge complex. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, well, yeah, once I've given, it's, it's, the, it's the drug dealer model. Once I give you a taste, I know I got you. And, <laughs> and you may not go, but you're going to much... watch. You and I talked about the Indy 500 before the race last year. You said, kind of how I approach wrestling. Okay, the race is coming up. Give me some names. Who are three guys that I need to look at? What's been going on? Catch me up because I'm probably going to watch. Yes, and it wasn't like the Indy 500 when you, uh, we went with a group of friends and, and your family in Indianapolis. We, it wasn't as much about the race itself for me because I, mean, I knew, I knew a it lot of the drivers. The it's, it was, it was the three or four days of fanfare and spectacle and bonding and drinking, right? And tailgating and all these things. Um, you could almost not to take away from the Indy 500, like you could almost replace the Indy 500 with three or four other things. Sure. As long as the atmosphere around it was the same for me, it was it was it was more than just the race itself, is what I'm saying. There, there, I and I would totally do it again. I ran yes. into a lot of people. Frozen Four is something that people go to every year, whether their team's in it or not, because they love that. It's three days. It's this community kind of coming together. Yeah. There's a lot of drinking involved, um, and maybe your team ends up winning. And that's so. It was kind of a similar thing where you get that big event feel to it. But that's the one for me that that I, I used to beg people to like it. And I get it. I mean, some people just aren't going to. Put enough, kind of how I watched WrestleMania last night. I'm, I'm not a fan, but I was curious. I'm in. I'm 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 willing to suspend my disbelief and go for this ride for five hours. Yeah, so, same kind of thing with the Indy 500. Just remember, there's a human being strapped to this rocket going 230 miles an hour, and he's not just going as fast as he can and hoping he gets there before everybody else. There's a lot to it. I remember after watching, uh, we, we were driving away from the racetrack, and I started YouTubing videos of like fatal Indy car crashes oh, yeah. too. And that's a whole other rabbit hole. I thought you were going to say EPL. I thought you were going to say... Don't care anymore if people don't like it. Don't care. Indy 500, I need people to like it for that event to continue. Okay. Because it's coming back big time. And this year you're going to see a lot more and actually changing networks. I think leaving ABC, despite the fact I work for an ABC station, it's going to NBC. This year will be the last year after 54 years on ABC. This is it. for. That's going to be good for the series, and I, don't, I won't bore everyone with all that. I need you as a casual fan, to just put your TV on the Indy 500 Memorial Day weekend so it continues to be as big as it is so I can get what I want out of it. The English Premier League and soccer, it is that's off and running. I don't need to beg people to be a fan of it. Okay. If you don't like it, it's not for you. That's fine. And, like, like for, obviously wrestling has, wrestling has been a thing for decades and will continue to be a thing. I find myself sometimes convincing people who don't like golf. And I think, I think most people are at least casual enough to where they'll watch the Masters if it's interesting. I don't think there's a lot of anti-golf sports fans out there. I mean, if it's if you're talking non-sports fans, that's a different pool of people. But anytime I'm trying to talk someone into watching a golf tournament or even, even a golf major, it always comes down to the storylines and just the immense pressure that individual performers have to overcome. Whether it's just the pressure of standing over a ball in the trees and having other human beings 20 feet from you and not knocking someone's teeth in like just, just like that type of pressure or legacies on the line and national television audiences and, and your heart rate, your heart jumping through your golf shirt, right? There's just so many compelling reasons to watch the back nine on a Sunday, a major Sunday. More than any other sport. I think you have to have played it. Not, you never played the game, but you have to have at least... To know how hard it you is. You have no... Yes. I remember the first time I took my wife golfing. and She actually, like her first three holes, it was unbelievable. I'm like, she's a savant. Like, this is unreal. 
Then she stopped paying attention, stopped caring, started hitting in the woods, and was like, I think I'm done. I'll meet you at the restaurant. <laughs> um, but if you haven't played, or at least tried to play a couple rounds, you know, it's not one thing to go out on driving range, to know, ah, I this putts to break 90, which is the closest I'm going to ever get to what Patrick Reed did yesterday. Yeah, I haven't broken 90 in eight years. Okay, if I sink this, it's for an 89. I really want to make this nine-foot putt. Now, forget the fact that I just had 88 other strokes that got me to this point. This is the one. And you, now, I can't imagine. I can't come close to imagining what that's like standing on 18 at Augusta with the money and the green and legacy. More important, you mentioned that. Yeah. But I think golf, you can watch football if you never played football. You can watch baseball, and you're going to get it, and you, and you can see how hard those things are to do. Um, but there's sports like golf. Um, <laughs> swimming. If you've never tried to swim for speed and competitively, you have no idea how hard that is to do. And I think golf, that's the catch. Well, this, uh, you know, I don't want a guy chasing a little white ball around. You have no idea how good those guys are unless you've failed yourself. Well, then there's the activity side, too. Like, I've had a lot of people can try to convince me, let's say, of why I, why ice fishing is amazing. And I've just never, like, I've always been open to, and I've, I've gone ice fishing a couple times, but and I, having grown up in Minnesota, it's like sacrilege if you don't like ice fishing. Like, I'd rather, like, there's a million things I'd rather be doing than sitting in a night. Now, if you want to give me, like, a luxury ice house and I get a flat screen TV or something, okay, that's different. But if I'm going to sit in, like, a phone booth on a bucket yeah. for five hours, that, freezing my, you know, what's off. That goes to any activity where, you know, I'm trying to think of anything, like... Running? I mean, like, Dave's a runner, but you're not going to convince me that, like, training for a marathon is going to be anything other than torturous. Oh, but there are, no, because I'd agree with you. But, okay. there are, <laughs> but there are people who... Oh, the runner's high, man. Love, yes. No, that does not exist. No, no, it's oh, crap. Sure. That's called your legs hurt. And, Sorry. and like, weight runner's like, high. Like, people that go to the gym and go to the gym and get... I had a fraternity brother came back one day. He's, like, in the room going, whoa, pump of my life. Yeah. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> okay, there, muscle mill. Calm it down. He wasn't a bro. It was weird. It was, he did, like, it was legitimate. That's how I knew it was legitimate. It yeah, wasn't yeah. for show. And I'm like, would you relax? Like, have a beer and calm down. <laughs> but, like, I don't get that. But he never, well, look at me. I don't, he wasn't ever going to come to me and say, Hey, do you want to come go to the gym and try to share this experience? As much as you're saying somebody would want to say, hey, why don't you watch the Masters or why don't you watch WrestleMania or come to the Indy 500? Dave, what are, are there things that you've yeah, tried to convince you? people? Uh, hey, this is awesome. You got to try it or whatever. Well, first Besides of all. Besides hardcore drugs. Sorry, Chris Long. I won't be watching Indy this year or any year. Uh, but I think it's, I mean, the ultimate now is Netflix, right? Everybody, oh, have you seen this show? Have you been watching that show? Oh, I'm season two on this show. You got to, oh, you got to catch up. How are you not watching that show? I mean, we've all got Netflix and everybody knows TV's better either with somebody sitting next to you so you can react to it as it's happening or yeah. the next day, okay, I'm I'm at season two, episode five. Where are you at? Oh, dude, you are not going to believe what's going to happen. You're almost to it. And I can't wait to talk to you about it, right? Yes, that that's definitely a thing. And then the shaming—if you haven't seen something too, I know. But I don't think. Like, well, you haven't watched. You haven't seen like the, no. I ha I'm sorry. There's 73 new TV shows that came out last How week. I Stranger seen Things. All, yeah. But the difference of when that. It's a good show, by the way. You should watch that. I, haven't watched I can't believe you haven't seen it yet. The it's difference ridiculous. with that, like, I don't think anybody's not will. Like, there's people that, like I'm not watching wrestling. I don't think anybody's going, I'm not watching Netflix. Well, I think there's a lot of people that if they hear a show, well, like Stranger Things, is you know kind of sci-fi. I'm not into sci-fi. 
No, I'm sticking to Friends right. reruns. <laughs> I learned my lesson on well, that. Well, wasn't Ross a scientist? I oh, mean, shut little, up. Don't talk about Friends. Sci-fi friends in stinks. There. And I'll convince anybody of that, too. Oh, but friends is the great. worst popular but, but here's TV another thing. Like, what's, Nightly on 45 TV, oh, by the way. Oh, okay. yeah, that's great. <laughs> what's the difference between, let's take a Netflix show that's not sci-fi that people that people watch. House of Cards. Uh, House of Cards, okay. Mm-hmm. Other than Kevin Spacey now being, uh, you know, a little creepier than we thought a, he was. A lot creepier than we thought he was. What's the difference? Why is it cooler to like or get into House of Cards than Monday Night Raw? Like Real, what is- realism, realism. This I can suspend disbelief a lot easier with House of Cards. Okay, of cards. then Stranger Things. Stranger Things. That takes more of a leap, and that's why the show's not as popular. Look, I'm I'm not. Took me a while to come around on Game of Thrones. I didn't start watching Game of Thrones until season four, and I watched like the first. I finally like watch. I watch the first three episodes of season one. After the first year, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. But I, like, that's not my thing. I don't do medieval Harry Potter. It's just not my thing. I'm not hating on it. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I've never watched Game of Thrones. But I think it's, 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 the, it's, it's, if you, if there, you get someone in the room that's not heard of any of this, you know, an alien from outer space comes down and says, hey, what should I watch on TV? All right, I got this thing for you. All right, it's a great political drama. The president's crooked and he's killing people and all. Oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. All right, then, then, then you, on Monday nights, you should watch this thing. There's these dudes. They're totally hulked up. They're one, shirtless. One of they're them wearing wears spandex. Yeah. And it's kind <laughs> of the same and thing. Play, and they pretend to fight. Dude, and, it's awesome. And it's kind really? of the same thing every Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of them's got George. The other one is like he's the dead man. The, so he, the, he comes out from a coffin. He, yeah. The, the farther away you get from, <laughs> the farther away you get to fantasy, I think the harder it is to get people to buy it. Yeah, I totally agree. I with mean, that. and some of the best, like Star Wars. Star Wars is great because it's obviously completely implausible, but you watch it and go, yeah, all right, sure. That, yeah. You know big, what? Big Wookiee running yeah. around. Galaxy yeah. far, far away. Sure. I can see that. I'll buy that. When, I, force. when I watch nine-year-old Nicholas in the ring with the tag team champions about to lay the SmackDown. <laughs> totally realistic. Very much believable. Uh, but phone lines we can open up, too. If there, are there things that you've tried to convince people to watch, sports, whatever it is? Or to get into 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. And the important branch is there, Dave nailed it. Something that you are going to enjoy it more, even as a super fan, if you can get people to to get in that boat and uh, go with you. I say row with you. And <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, easy PJ flag. Yeah, I don't let's know. Calm down. Subconscious. Uh, let's talk first here about the Chris Lindahl team, which is the number one REMAX results team in the country. And uh, for the next seven days, sign up and seating very limited. So I can't even guarantee that there's going to be seats available in seven days from now. So get in now before the seller workshops sell out. April 16th through the 18th. And here's why the seller workshop is important to you. If you are in the market to sell your home, you can potentially make between thirty and $60,000 more on the sale of that home if you understand the principles that the Chris Lindahl team teaches and lives by on a daily basis. Uh, Chris is on a mission to help people make the money that they deserve when they sell their home, whether it's with the Chris Lindahl team or someone else. I mean, you're going to learn all these principles at the Seller Workshops, April 16th through the 18th. Here's how you get tickets. Sellerworkshop.com. That's sellerworkshop.com or 763-401-SOLD. 763-401-SOLD. Mackie and Judd, Chris Long in for Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Audio level full volume. It's go time. On 1500 ESPN. 
I wasn't going to read this on the air. Chris is like, should we read this on the air? What the hell? I, I missed right. it. I, I didn't hear it. I was Mark, read, I, go ahead. Mark tweets in, please do more of these conversations on a regular basis. It's a nice break from the typical panic conversations about Vikings quarterback, Wolves coaching, Twins pitching, or wild player contracts. Here's the problem. I think Judd, Judd's idea of like convincing someone to watch, like, what's a new thing that you're into? Oh, there's this new segment on NHL on the fly. <laughs> watching the all tw- watching all twenty <laughs> yeah. watching all twenty two videos. So like we've been trying staying up late to watch the West Coast Ducks <laughs> face off against the Kings. Have you seen the Kings new third line? <laughs> oh, Let me, I gotta my convince God. you. It's crazy. Well, what what would be fun is if like we even once a month, if we just had a scheduled Chris Long hour. And we just went. We just went pop culture. Shut sports down. And like some of it's going to bleed in, but if if you were to come in even like once a month and maybe for an hour or two, and we just do uh, Chris Long type conversation. I call these like Chris Long type conversations. Have, have my people talk to your people, and we'll see if we can work something out. That's easy, easily done. We're yes. not paying you though. You guys are normally we get them when you guys. You guys don't take vacations or leave or depart as much as you used to. We used to get these all the time. It's been sporadic, but. I feel like you guys have been workhorses lately. Well, you know I what? don't. Fields <laughs> <laughs> are two more two warm weather vacations within like three weeks of each other. Well, in fairness, one of them I uh, I pulled some strings and just did the show from Phoenix, so I preserved Still worked, vacation right? Days. Still worked exactly. Genius. Um, other people are chiming in here on the what, how how would you or what are some things that you would convince people. Hey, you got to watch this. You got to go to this. You got to try this. For me, it's obviously wrestling. For Chris, it's Indy 500. Uh, Eric says, I just like to hear Dave try and convince me that Friends is a terrible show. Jennifer Aniston, Cold Studio, good luck, bud. Wow. <laughs> really? So the floor says, convince, convince Eric that Friends <laughs> that, is a bad that show. That might have won him over, actually. You no, may not even close. Sorry. Um, I was going to say, you might know your audience uh, there, Eric. No, no, way over Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, she was, you know. She interesting was, about 15 years ago. Yeah, she was. Yeah. And yeah, she wasn't all that interesting, frankly, when you once you got behind, you know, <laughs> the visual. Um, okay. Ross is the most annoying character in the history of television and movies. Concur, 100%. Thank but he's, the, he's, he's the same character in every movie. But he's the foil. He's the you, they, you can't like all of them or the show wouldn't have succeeded. Oh, oh I can dislike more than him, though. That's the thing. Uh, who's Matt LeBlanc's character? Is that Joey? Joey. Yeah, Joey. he's almost as annoying. He's he's this I mean really close to being as annoying as Ross. <laughs> Ross. Then you got Phoebe. That's good. She's absolutely annoying too. Matthew Perry pretty much brings nothing. And by the way, Chandler, really? Chandler? It is an odd name. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry, I'm not going with Chandler. And who are the other? Courtney Cox, she's man, Jennifer Aniston is boring. See, I, I other think, than that, it's a great show. I think if I had to choose uh like just in terms of like half hour sitcom type shows. So whatever I've been live since the mid '80s, so anything in my lifetime, it's one of the three shows that I would choose if I had to choose like only those type of shows to watch. I'm with it's you. one of the three for I'm me. My main issue with the show is it's not funny at all, oh. and that's my biggest problem with the show. But it's, it's supposed not to be like funny. Nice. It's really stupid. But that oh, so, they have a little picture frame over the, right, the people. Where that's you, cute. Where, have you? Do you know anybody from Manhattan? Because that's everyone on that island. <laughs> yeah, all no, of it's, them. It's totes adorbs. I get it. Yeah. Where are you on Seinfeld? Uh, I love Seinfeld. See, not much difference between the two. It's actually pretty similar. You're right. Uh, Seinfeld. Disagree. Seinfeld's characters are a little bit more like implausibly paranoid and weird. Yes. Uh, Friends characters are just like I don't know. It's just it's a little bit more wholesome, I guess. Seinfeld had Larry David behind it. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the debate is like whether. If, like Seinfeld's a better, more historically good show. 
It doesn't hold up well. Wow. Watch them now. Okay, this is Watch okay. them now. Convince mm. us convince us of that. Watch them now. Because here's another thing to go with our conversation. I think people Seinfeld's a show where either you watch it and it clicks for you or it doesn't. And a lot of people Seinfeld, I think, is the show that people try to convince others the most of. No, you gotta try it one more time. Like I've watched fifty episodes and I don't get it. You either get it or you don't. Here's the problem with Seinfeld. Larry David pulled the curtain back when he made Curb. It's true. Curb was the show he couldn't put on NBC. Because things like Palestinian chicken, which you can't put on a network, but it was one of the single funniest episodes of any sitcom ever. Or the prostitute that he picked up to get into the HOV lane to get to right. Dodger Stadium right. faster, right. right? Right. Probably doesn't play on Thursday nights at on NBC. When Curb had its run, it turned Seinfeld into Curb Light and sort of tarnished the legacy of Seinfeld a little bit, I think. I think. Okay. Still a great show, but that's why it doesn't hold up. Because you watch it now and you're like, mm, I recognize these voices, but they're not doing what I think they should do. And, and that's because you've seen Curb. And I haven't watched a Seinfeld episode in years, so that's probably it part of it. It doesn't hold yeah. up. Here's another one. I, I've seen this a lot. Minnesota music fans. Uh, Cord tweets into the show. Trampled by Turtles, he wants to convince us of. The ba- the local band, for, they're from Duluth, right? Trampled by Turtles. Amazing live performances from Minnesota, unbelievable musicality, genuine, et cetera. I used to like, see them play. I've, nev- I've never gotten into them, I used ever. to see them play in a corner of the Pizza Luce weekly in Duluth, and I knew three times I saw them, I went, these guys are going to be big. They're so good. He's right. They're good. It's not the kind of music that's ever going to go mainstream. Um, it just it can't in this day and age where music is, and they're, they don't have an outlet. It's hard to find their music. You've got to seek it out. Um, I've got some Frank Turner is a guy that I love that I've been trying to drag my entire circle of friends into. Um, it's hard with music now because it's hard. You have to seek music out now. It's not going to find you unless it's one of the seven acts that's on radio yeah. anymore. Uh, Chad tweets in. It's but hard. I do agree with Cord. He's right. He's right. He nailed that. Uh, Chad tweets in. It's hard to get others into wrestling now, in my opinion, because the storylines aren't as good as the Attitude Era and the names aren't as big as The Rock, Austin, Triple H. The second part's true. Let's uh, pump the brakes on the storyline thing. I think they had a storyline where, like, one of the female wrestlers gave birth to a hand in, like, 1999. So they may have jumped the shark in the Attitude Era just uh, just a little bit. And your point of view shifts as you mature a little bit. Like, you're not going to think the same things are interesting that you did when you were 14. Unless, you're, Attitude unless era. you're me. Right. <laughs> well, but I think they get that. They're good at giving some stuff that's you're going to even go, oh, whatever. But a 14-year-old's going to go, oh, I love that. And they're pretty good about hitting different notes. Um, but I think that's your opinion on wrestling may have changed a little bit, whoever sent that email. I'm wearing, by the fact that you're now I'm 16, ultim- 17 years old. I'm wearing Ultimate you Warrior uh, undies right now. I gotta be no- I'll show you during the commercial break. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, maybe some arm tassels. That's it. Uh, Wetmore is going to come in here. We'll talk some twins and uh, see if they're going to actually brave out this cold weather against the Astros the next few days. Or if they're going to cop out like they did yesterday. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're all encompassing. Mackey and Judd. You can listen to this for a little bit of pop culture, a little Correct. bit of uh, what's hip in the city. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Talking twins. Now, with 1500ESPN.com senior web editor and resident seam head Derek Wetmore, presented by the Canopy Group for the best insurance coverage at the absolute best price. The senior web editor, not to be confused with all the junior editors and assistant staffers right. of 1500ESPN.com. His minions. Derek Wetmore. 
I don't even know how to respond to these. It was when I started, guys, it was, I think it was Dave Harrigan that first asked if senior web editor meant that I was still completing my senior year of high school when I started at 1500 ESPN. <laughs> Young face. Yes, I'm just saying. I thought, I thought you were here just on an internship or a <laughs> job shadow. Shadowing for the Next day. year he'll be the yeah. collegiate web editor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, frosh. Oh, got it. So, um... All right, the twins went all in with this marketing campaign. Cold air, don't care. All week long, cold mm. air, don't care. Hashtag. Okay, we care now. We care. We're going to cancel the oh, game on Sunday. We care a little bit. Oh, we care. But like they could have played that game yesterday if it was if it was a three hour nine inning game. They could have played the game until snow fell. What made them tap out? You were at the game on uh, on Saturday For the weekend. I, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I I mean I don't know, but I don't I don't like to second guess the weather because it's so easy to do that you're you're trying to make an educated guess of what's going to be happening in the next 90 minutes or so sure but and you this, also stole an off day on may 14th from your team we, and now you have to play we, like 20 right. straight days we, or something we also have people that can do that that's right oh i know <laughs> and with great accuracy am i right <laughs> short, short term yes that's exactly 90 minutes yes except exactly. for dave doll we count on dave that's we, the thing yes. no i mean I'm, no, I'm being serious within a couple hours a meteorologist worth their salt should be able to say within the next three hours. Here's probably what's going to happen. You're good or you're yep. not good. Maybe not tomorrow because weird things can happen. But three, four hours, they should tell you that, yes, they should be able to nail it. Yeah. Now, so I don't know what went into the decision, but there's a whole group of people that are affected, right? The Mariners give up an off day. The Twins are giving up an off day. Coming back from the West Coast, they're playing the Angels on Sunday, their getaway day. It's like 3 o'clock, I think, is first pitch central. And then you're coming back. For now, for a Monday night game against the Mariners for a one-off. So it's not ideal. I mean, nobody wants to do that, I'm sure. If you're the team, you're maybe not going to get great gate right now, but you're giving away a lot of free tickets to go back to that uh, May 14th game. And I you'll I don't get, think it's good for anybody, you'll really. Get, you'll get better gate on May 14th, right? You'll get more walk-up that day than you'll lose on season ticket holders that won't well, come back, yeah. I think. Yeah, but maybe. Maybe not. But you also got to consider this isn't just about selling tickets. Like, you're, this probably screws with your pitching. Well, and, right? it, might, and it might rain. Yeah, <laughs> You don't know me. But <laughs> other than that, right. other than that, what else? I think that there's a, a lot to be said about April weather all around baseball, really, really throwing a wrench in the schedule for a number of teams. But all I keep thinking, every time I see a lead written about the weather or I hear broadcasters talk about it endlessly while they sniffle into the microphone, there's just this element of it's still baseball and you still have to go out and try to win those games. These wins mean just as much for the Twins as late September baseball where they're maybe going to be on the fringe of the playoffs. So what have you learned? The stop-start nature of the of this Twins schedule has just been... It's been such a buzzkill, guys. All right, the totally. baseball season's about to start, but like, kind of not really. They've only played a handful of games, False and start. so what? Are there definitive things that you've learned at all, or is it all just like it's too early and it's too stop start, and the weather's been too crappy? Yeah, it's more of the second for me. I, I'm always that guy. Like, it could have been perfect. They could have been playing in a dome, and here we are, seven games in. I'd say, ah, hang on a second. Let's let's get enough of a sample before we can start talking about Logan Morrison being a bust of a signing. I think it's way too early for that kind of stuff. There are some interesting things. Number one for me is Miguel Sano's, like, he either hits at 500 feet, a screaming double, or he strikes out, and he strikes out in almost half his times to the plate. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic to watch. The other thing, and I sent you guys a note on this, I'm really curious to see what happens this series with Houston, assuming they get the games in, which they should. 
Because you're going to see some premier pitching on display at Target Field. It's not going to be from the Twins, but you're going to see some premier pitching come to town, and then the Twins try to throw their best up to counter it. And I'm just going to be fascinated to see how that matchup plays out this whole week. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, like Verlander, Keichel, McCullers. and some then, bring the pitchers over there. And then the Astros bullpen has a bunch of flamethrowers, too. Yeah, this is obviously... If you get swept and destroyed like you did, I think it was mid-season or like early season last year, it doesn't really mean a lot in the grand scheme because the Astros are a better team. Hey, okay, very yeah, well. Like, for sure, like the Astros are a better team. Uh, but it's going to be just an interesting glimpse at their pitching staff and their bullpen and their lineup as it looks compared and lined up to yeah, yours. Well, right? and here's what's pretty interesting to me about this series. I hate to be series preview guy because maybe by the time you hear this, it doesn't matter. They're two games into the series. But with getting snowed out over the weekend, here's what we've got. I'm really curious to see. The Twins should be able to hold their own against one of the best baseball teams that I've ever seen constructed. <laughs> that's that's not hyperbole. You're right? exactly right. I mean, in my lifetime. I don't think we realize how good they were last year. You'll realize this year when they win 105 games. And that I think the same thing for, like, the Dodgers. They're just like, this is such an incredible team. They could sustain injuries to their best handful of players and still be one of the best teams in baseball. But with that being said, I'm I'm I don't put the Twins in that category yet, but I think they aspire to that category. They're trying to climb into that region. And when you look at lineups, I think it's pretty close. Offensively, the Twins and Astros are fairly close when they're both at full strength and facing equal pitching. Yes, and that's where the rub is <laughs> yeah. because pitching staffs are going to be obviously the the deciding factor in this series. I, I don't say obviously very often in baseball. There's not so many things that you can get a handle on. We're far too overconfident with our predictions. We're far too sure of what we've seen take place. But in this case, I'm going to be just so fascinated to see how fairly equal lineups stack up against, you know, the varsity versus sort of the junior varsity pitching yeah. staff. Well, see, this is a lineup, and I wish the rotations worked out differently. I, it would be fun to watch Jose Barrios mm -hmm. in better conditions than the historically cold game we saw on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, now, everyone had to play in it, so it shouldn't be an excuse that, that just pertains to Barrios. Everyone had to play in it. But I would like to see Jose Barrios in fair weather conditions, 60 degrees even at some point, pitch against this lineup. For Cause, sure. Because he's even said, he's been on the record a couple times just in his starts before he starts this season that, like, my my biggest key is, just being able to sort of block out who's at the plate and throw my stuff over. And I find that to be such an amazing mental hurdle. Like, dude, you've been lights out your entire life, and now all of a sudden it matters that, like, a really good hitter's at the plate. Just throw your stuff. He's yeah. He's still and young. He's still, I mean. Of course. And he's I'm, still going to have guys come to that plate that he's going to go, Sure. And I'm being too hard on him when I say that because I think that's a thing for most young pitchers. Yeah. But the Astros lineup, there's about, and the Yankees are in that same group with the middle of their order, too. Like, those are the types of lineups that really test that mental battle that you have with yourself on the mound. Am I going to throw a pitch that I know that I've been able to get guys out on? Yep. But it's Jose Altuve That's right. and George Springer and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton at the plate because those, those are the lineups you're going to face if you get to October here. A big hurdle is to realize that the best in the world are getting themselves out 60 to 65% of the time. And you're good enough. It's yep. just got to be you're the, here. You're here for a reason. You got here for a he reason. He may get you, but you're probably going to get him. And I think it's an important thing to say after I passingly called the Twins Junior Varsity pitching staff. It's only by comparison to one of the great pitching staffs. That's why I'm curious about it this weekend. Last year, if you stack the Twins pitching staff up in August against the Astros after they get Verlander, 
kind of like, all right, well, there's one team that's good here, and then you hope Irvin Santana falls in this series because otherwise, where would Irvin Santana have been in the Astros rotation last year? Yeah, I mean, like that's the way to look at it, right? Right, fourth, exactly. If it was if it was beginning of the year, McCullers for sure fourth. Fourth, yeah, right, for sure fourth. Well, and the way they did their postseason too, where you're just sort of tandem starting guys, I think you'd argue that Irv maybe doesn't get a start. In, right, in the in, right. comes in like the fifth inning. Or something. And so, just the fact that the Twins have taken a step forward from really having to run out your depth, your tenth, eleventh, twelfth best starter, which in any organization is probably going to be bad. If you have to start the twelfth guy on your list in July, you're not feeling very good about it, even if your list was decent. The Twins list wasn't that decent last year, and they still had to dig into their depth. This year, you're looking at, I think it's, I think if I'm right on the matchups, it's going to be Lance Lynn, Jake Odorizzi, and Kyle Gibson. Which, if you take any one of those guys, they're not Dallas Keuchel. Or they're not late-season Justin Verlander last year. That's fine. But at least you have a fighting chance. Yeah. You go up there saying like, oh, Jake Odorizzi could go six innings and two or three runs, and we're right in this game. Last year, if you're saying like, oh, yeah, Nick Tepish could go six or seven and keep us in check against that, you're not feeling as good about that as you are about the current depth on this current Twins team. That's why I'm pretty fascinated to see how they stack up against the champs now. Yeah. One thing uh, as we talk about sort of just like constructing, whether it's for the playoffs or regular season, but constructing a pitching staff, teams are very much, this is why Gabe Kapler is getting crushed in Philadelphia. Like teams are very much on to the third time through the order thing. Where traditionally, you just want your starter to go to 100-plus pitches and go as deep into a game as possible. And now, that conventional thinking is sort of out the window. Most smart teams, maybe they're not fully implementing it, but they realize third time through the order for non-Justin Verlander caliber starters is really dicey. So, is there a way where you can, maybe you can pick out two or three starters that you trust a third time through the order, but then have reinforcements ready more often? And I would break it down this way. So over the course of a six-month season, you have uh, however many innings that you would normally throw. What is it, like 1,600 innings or whatever it is. Like you have some amount of innings that you're going to reach over the course of six months as a pitching staff. And a lot of teams are saying, well, if our bullpen ERA is usually a lot better, and this is a league-wide trend too, than our starting staff ERA because they're coming in for short bursts, how can we capture that bullpen ERA and expand it out. Like maybe it only takes up 30% of your innings or 40%. Can you make it 50 or 60% and not put a Kyle Gibson out there for six or seven innings? The Astros are on this. You guys are level five baseball guys. I'm level two baseball guy. So I'll ask this. Are we losing? Is the notion of pitch counts starting to go away? It's becoming more important that exactly that. Two and a half, two, two and a half trips through. And it's not, if you're still effective and you're at 80 pitches, right. we'll probably trot you back out there. Here's the way I think about it. A little bit differently than what Phil's saying. Although, I I mean, I definitely track with what you're saying here, Phil. But I think on a game-to-game basis, it's impossible to say, like, well, we want 50% of the true. innings from the bullpen, so we'll go 4.5. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. We're but on it the same page But it does need to be here. a paradigm shift. Here's the way I think about it. Kyle Gibson's going up. He's facing the Astros, 1 through 9. All right. If Kyle Gibson's in your starting rotation, it means you feel pretty good about him getting major league hitters out. And for Gibson, the primary pitches are... The fastballs. He's got the four-seamer that he's been using a lot more since midseason late year, last year. I wrote about his breakout being almost entirely dependent on his use of four-seam fastballs. That's that's really what's changed for Kyle Gibson. So he's got that pitch up in the zone, and then he's got the two-seamer that he's used his whole life. Hit ground balls, try to get some swings and misses if they're looking up. 
That's fine. First time through the order, you do that. The second time through the order, now you go to the changeup. Now you go to the slider. They've seen the fastballs. They're kind of on it. A guy as good as Jose Altuve might be on it from the first pitch. But a guy like, uh, let's use Twins examples, if Max Kepler's seen you once that day, he's got a better idea now of what you feature, how you're going to try to get him out as a lefty, and then he can combat that. Now you're talking the third time through the order, Chris, and this is exactly what Phil's talking about. This is the way I think about it. All right, bud, seen the fastball, know what you're going to try to do, seen the scouting report. I know what your secondary stuff looks like today, whether you have the slider or not, Mm -hmm. whether the change-up's working for you or not. I know what you feature. I know how you're going to try to get me out. Here's how I'm going to get a hit. That makes it much harder for a pitcher, and so I'm trying to go to a new guy. I'm trying, hey, Trevor Hildenberger, why don't you come in and give him a new look here? Get this guy out the third time through. So let me put what you just said into, into an ERA context, all right? I'm going to use the Red Sox as an example. So the Red Sox last year. Their starting staff ERA was a full run higher than their bullpen ERA. Well, we know that Chris Sale is going to be a guy that you ride deep into games, and maybe there's another starter that you ride deep into games. So those guys have, like, minuscule ERAs. So it's the other three starters that are bumping that starting staff ERA well over four, right? Well, teams are figuring out, well, why don't I just, like, replace some of those crappy starter innings with this full run lower bullpen ERA, but then at what point do you tax that bullpen? And at that what point ERA do you stretch those up. guys out and then that ERA goes up closer to four two? Yeah. Um and that's and that's what teams are thinking about now. On the twins, I think this is fairly simple. I think you trust your starters two times through and then you figure out matchups. You say, all right, Jake Odorisi's dealing today. So fine. Let him face a third time. For sure. Until it's like, oh this matchup's really uh we ugh. let's go get somebody who's specialized for getting this guy out. Flip side if you've got Alberto Mejia going, and, well, this is a bad example because he only wants to pitch four and a third, it seems, every time out anyways. <laughs> but have somebody out who you trust maybe like a little bit less than your premier guys. Okay, then that quote-unquote leash, that proverbial leash, is shorter because you know you've got your marathon runner going the first part of the race. And then when you start to hit that wall at 10 miles, 12 miles, 15 miles, wherever it is... Uh, for some of it, it was a five miles. But that's the point. That that line has moved shorter. And now you go yes. to the sprinters to go to grab the baton, get it to the next guy, get it to the next guy. Get it. That's why the Twins are carrying an eight-man bullpen in April, which is five years ago is ridiculous, and so, it's optimal strategy now. So this is the second iteration of it used to be good luck, Tex, go throw nine innings. Then we had closers. Now Then we had eighth-inning specialists. So this seems to me... Again, level two baseball guy. No, yeah. This is the next iteration of that, where people started doing eighth inning, ninth inning specialists, and there were still people in the baseball world going, what are you doing? Yes. But what then, are you doing? But then to make that strategy for, for a six-month long haul of 162 games, to make that an optimal strategy, you can't have one-inning guys. They have to be like one and two-thirds. Sure. They have to be guys who can throw 40 like, pitches, not 20. So middle relievers were always that guy on the roster that no one knew. Failed starters. Nobody knew. Not good enough to close. You're just hoping you're just hanging on for dear guy, life. Guy comes out of the bullpen in the fourth inning because the starter got chased. Yeah, and now you know, that, that that guy for that's the Yankees, becoming a much more I don't want to say high leverage because that no, might not be is. the case, but you're that's going to be more, again the eighth inning guy. There were no eighth inning guys. Let's keep hold on. Let's pause this. Let's keep this going. There's more meat on this bone. Mm. I like. I'm, and, I'm uh, learning in here. I like this. And also the Twins, Molitor made an interesting managerial decision regarding Max Kepler this weekend that we should talk about. Mackie and Judd, Chris Long in for Judd and Derek Wetmore talking Twins. The Mackie and Judd show rolls on. Here we go on 1500 ESPN. 
Kick off spring in stride with the Medtronic TC One Mile Thursday evening, May 10th on the riverfront in downtown Minneapolis. It's short and sweet, fast and fun. Run with coworkers or friends and family. Choose from race waves for first-timers, recreational runners, corporate teams, and more. Then stay to cheer on the pro runners racing at amazing speeds and enjoy the post-race party with food trucks, a cash bar, and a live DJ. Head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events for all the details. There's this one ripped into the gap. Everybody runs, scoring his Cano. Hanniger right behind him. Seeger behind him. Nice breakout, Ryan Healy. A three-run double. All right, well, let's, uh, enough of that bullpen stuff for now. We just we that's that's a deep dive, and we we can do more of that on the Touch 'Em All podcast, Derek, for uh, hardcore baseball. Uh, Want to break down bullpen innings, guys? Max Kepler has been off to a really good start for the Twins, but he can't hit left-handed pitching. At least, if you look at the first two years, he's had a couple nice at bats against left-handers. At least the one where he ripped a double off the wall was it Baltimore? Uh, one Pittsburgh. of those first Pittsburgh. Okay. So he came up to the plate, or was supposed to, in a key situation when that game on Saturday was still very much in question. Yep. Left-handed reliever on the mound for Seattle. And instead, Paul Molitor opts for Robbie Grossman to come up. And it wound up that the Mariners brought in a different pitcher anyways, yeah. and so Grossman winds up hitting left-handed anyways against a right-handed pitcher, which they went to brought in if Kepler was up. Sure. And Grossman, this is what I say, it's 25 degrees temperature, wind chill it's a tougher situation just to walk up and swing a bat and catch up to 95 miles an hour cold like that. I know he was warming up in the back. I would have let Kepler hit in that spot. I would have let Kepler show that you can take what you did against a lefty in Pittsburgh in a key situation. You've been in the game for an hour and a half here. You're more warmed up than and warming up like literally you're more warmed up than Robbie Grossman is. Um, I would have let Kepler hit in that spot. Fair enough. I don't agree with you. Okay. I think that actually. So do you never Put let Kepler face left-handed pitching? It. Well, so <laughs> at what point do you let? But here's the thing: like, at what point do you let Kepler? Phil face... doesn't like to joke when he gets hot about an argument. <laughs> no, 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 just sorry, so you know. sorry. Go ahead, joke around, then I'm going to get serious. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how. Hot I'll that, let you guys have your fun. I didn't know how hot that fire I stuck my hand in was. <laughs> That's right. So at what point do you just? Say, Kepler, sorry, you're not going to face left-handed pitching, period. No, 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 no. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to say— Because that's, that's what Paul Molitor just said. No, that's not true. No, that is—if he was saying that, he doesn't face lefties in Pittsburgh. But he did. He gets a hit off Smoker, a key hit for the Twins in that series. I think you have to pick your spots with Max Kepler, but you cannot prioritize in this season— you cannot prioritize development over winning if you're the Twins. I don't care which player you're talking about. Byron Buxton might be a superstar. But you have to prioritize winning every single game this year, given that your postseason window is now open. You don't have the luxury of the 2016 Twins of, well, let's just roll this guy out. Let's see what Kenny Vargas can do for 400 plate appearances. That's over. This Twins team needs to take every game seriously to win. And in that spot, I think the math says Robbie Grossman. And people are going to laugh at that. They're going to say, the math says Robbie Grossman. The only thing that I'll say is, like, optimal lineup strategy there says Robbie Grossman against whoever the next reliever that they pick is better than lefty Max Kepler against lefty killer Mark Sipchinski. And on your point about being warmer, I'd say Robbie Grossman's actually probably warmer because he's taking swings in the cage inside. And Kepler, despite having been playing for 90 minutes, he's freezing his ass off for 90 minutes, standing around in the outfield. 
I, I think you could debate the like he's used to being in this weather now, but I think there are some real physical effects that we're seeing in cold weather games where, hey, you're better off just going up. You see Eddie Rosario standing by the heater. He's wagging his fingers in front of the heat gun yeah. and then goes up to the plate and is like, let's make this a short plate appearance. Which Eddie Rosario Swing. is probably saying anyways, but He's in the cold the weather. short plate appearances. So yeah. I think there's something to be said for Grossman. Tough spot for sure. Pinch hitting's never easy. Pinch hitting in 30 degrees is not easy. But that's why Robbie Grossman is on this team, to go get a favorable matchup late in the game. For the record, people are probably asking, well, but you were fine with Grossman hitting for Buxton, uh, Mackey, in the first game of the season. And, yeah, I mean, I do think it's situational to some degree. Like, Kepler Kepler has been looking really good at the plate for me the first week and a half. Yeah, I'll agree. Buxton looked absolutely terrible in that particular game. I'll agree with that, too. And um, in that situation, I, ju- I think at some point you're going to have to just pick spots for Kepler to test his improvement out on left-handed pitching. And they did in Pittsburgh. They didn't this weekend against the Mariners. Sure. So can I get you onto my side, both of you, that— Leave, 2000- me, out, leave me out of this. <laughs> Well, then come on, just join my side. Who cares? Uh, blind vote from Chris Long makes this two to one, right. unless Phil wants to come to our side saying, 2018, the Twins need to win games. Yeah, you don't this is, say, we're not developing anymore. Okay, this is not again, a development. But I, I agree. I, you got me. Two but, to one. Hold on. I agree. Oh, well, three to zero. Right. But, but you're perpetually developing. But the, thi- yeah, t- the, the thing is, you're saying Robbie Grossman is who he is, yep. right? Oh, yeah. And I and I, you and I are on the you and I are in the front seat of the Robbie Grossman bandwagon. I'm driving together. the bus, and I still say Robbie Grossman is what Robbie Grossman sure, like is. Sure, like honking the horn. I'm all I'm all for it. Yes. But if Max Kepler has a chance to be something that's like two rungs higher than he is right now, and just needs that left-handed piece to the puzzle, Justin Morneau was a great example. He was bad against lefties early on, but then you start to get more comfortable. He's a, a very cerebral hitter. Max Kepler is, I think, one of the smartest guys in that clubhouse in terms of like self-diagnosing. So I think if you were to put in a, maybe it's a short-term loss for Max Kepler to be this beast of an overall player at the end of the year. I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but you have to allow for Max Kepler to reach this full potential that warrants him driving in two runs in that spot against the lefty, which Dustin Morneau used to do. Yeah, I just don't think that he's well equipped to do that right now. I think like this. Whole conversation reminds me of like Rule Five guys, which is inside baseball. But by the like, way, Kinley finally got out there after a week and a half and looks good. Great job throwing gas. Big fastball. <laughs> He's going to have to get the slider in the strike zone a little bit more. But like that guy goes in an eleven to three ball game because he needs to get innings against big leaguers to see if he deserves a spot on the roster. Yeah. To me, Max Kepler is in the same spot against hitting left-handed pitching. He was so bad last year. He now has to earn those plate appearances back. I think he's looked okay so far at the plate. There's nothing wrong with what Max Kepler has done. I also think there's nothing wrong saying, hey, we think you're going to be great. We've just got to play the the right strategy here. We'll get you at-bats against lefties. you got to work it. But I think he has to earn those spots right now. Uh, Wetmore, great stuff, dude. Thanks, Appreciate guys. it. Good stuff. Sorry for the fights, Phil. Stop I know joking around that. on this radio show. There will be no joking around. <laughs> it's not what this show. is for. Uh, the Touch Em All podcast, you can find it all over 1500ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you would uh, generally download podcasts. Mr. Fix It, when we come back, and Chris Long is going to bring what I think is a, is a if you're gonna if you're going to go with baseball as the fix here, I actually agree with Chris on this. I don't know how they would do it, but Mr. Fix-It will be Chris Long when we come back. Mackie and Judd. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. 
Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.